Do you find it interesting that accents are not considered cultural appropriation? <laughs> I've never thought about that. And I think that that's not a universe. I don't think that's universally true. Mm. Because I think if a white dude talks like a black dude, then it's considered cultural cultural appropriation. But when a black dude talks like an Englishman... I mean, there are black Englishmen. Hmm, That's true. (laughs) There are black Englishmen. (laughs) My problem with accents is that I am a mimicker. I tend to mimic what I hear. Mm. So, when I worked at Best Buy in college... I remember a time where all of a sudden I popped out an Indian accent. I thought, and I was just like, I don't, I didn't even think about why I did it. And the guy I was talking to was like, stop it. Like he's mouthing, he's waving and he points and I look behind me and there's an Indian family getting ready to buy a cell phone at the counter mm-hmm. right behind me. And so I had heard them and I started, I started mimicking mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't think that's cute. And no, it's not. So I had to. <laughs> it's not cute. But hey, you can't. You can't know. just. We'll see. We'll see. We'll have to talk about this more some other time. Accents and appropriation. Yeah. Let's put a panel together. Panel. Let's panel it. Panel it. I mean, because yeah, that, I, I like it. Let's do it. Welcome back or welcome to More in Common. Uh, if, if this is the first time you've joined us, this is our social experiment where we look to find common ground and create unity. Uh, we do it by exposing so-called difficult topics such as race, politics, religion, mental health. Um, we do it by evaluating people's stories, thoughts, and the reasons for them, trying to challenge our ability to evolve how we see and think of each other. Um, ultimately, we, we look to expose that we have more in common than that which divides us, even if rooted in differing points of view. I mean, today, we're super excited about our conversation with Alex Harrell, um, or Shy Ease. Uh, Shy is a, is a mom. She's an independent business owner. She started an organization called Witease Entertainment, and that's W-I-T-E-A-Z-E.com. Um, it's a it's a an opportunity to unite the working mother daughter sister artist from the west coast to the east coast uh a multi-talented stage showcasing the graceful bodily movements instrumentals lyrics fashion heart and dedication behind the entertainment that we all love um we talk a lot about what the organization is in the episode, and we're super excited to, to have Alex with us today. Alex is a, a bit of a renaissance woman. She plays the violin, the cello, the guitar. She owns a business. Um, she she does a lot of awesome things to, to try to make this world a better place and, and bring opportunity for, for other people to, to, to be successful in their own ventures. Today we do talk about um, we talk about our business. Of course, we talk about uh, using the N word. So keep in mind there's there's some profanity used in this episode. Uh, we we have discussions about parenting, what it means to be honest to your kids, and really building out that philosophy. So uh, it, Alex is awesome. We're excited to have have her with us today. Of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you moreincommonpod.com to check out the podcasts. Um, Obviously, you're listening to us today, so you have a good opportunity to leave us a rating on whatever podcast uh, delivery system you use, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. 
but also you know we have our blogs you we have t-shirts that that we sell to to support our venture and and um you know you can certainly find us contact us reach out to us email us send us on a contact page on our website again moreincommonpod.com and uh enjoy the conversation with alex we're super excited to bring it to you today Welcome back to More in Common, or welcome to More in Common if this is your first time listening. Um, today we are with Alex, or Shy Ease. Uh, Alex, hello. How are you today? Hi. I am wonderful today. How are you doing? Doing, doing fantastic. Good. Excited to have you on. Um, Reading through your bio on your on your website, which we'll we'll share in our in our post for this in our show notes, you um you are what I would say I don't I, I don't you can't really put a tag on it, but I would say a, a Renaissance woman. There's not really a lot you don't seem to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. And reading through that, one of the questions, because like you do a lot of stuff and you could not be, I would say you could not be defined as one thing, but what, what's the root of that? Where do you come from? Um, you know, what, what was your upbringing like that, that brought you or drove you to have a, such diversity of, of interest and action and such ambition to, to, to do the things that you do? I've always just kind of done what feels good. I've that's just kind of been my nature of growing up and living just within my, me and myself. Um, my father works a nine to five, so he was very structured. And he always said that he didn't have he knew himself well enough to know that he didn't have enough discipline to work for himself. He would always say, well, if I didn't work my nine to five, like I would just be sailing all day. Like that's, that's what he loved to do. And so he was like, I want to have the dedication and the desire to really work hard for myself, with, you know, for myself. So that was him. And then my mo- mother was kind of a, a nomad, which is something I didn't learn till later in life, but she liked to travel. She always wants to be different places. And I guess I, for my free spirit, I would say I get that more so from her, but I've just, always like to try different things and do different things. I get bored kind of easily, to be honest. <laughs> so um, I start for music wise, I started violin when I was younger. And I'm weird because they said it's the most difficult instrument. And so I was like, well, I want that one because I felt like if I can play the violin, then I'm, I can conquer anything. Like that was just kind of like my mind frame when I was younger. And then once I started that, then I love the cello because it just it's different and it's the same sound, but it's a deeper sound. And it gives me something. It gives me another dynamic on the music scale. So I picked up cello then I want to learn how to play bass. So I picked up bass. Then um, when me and Julian got together, I just started liking the guitar. And so I picked up the guitar like it's just uh-huh. it, things just kind of happen 
when I don't think about it and I don't focus so much and I would just kind of let life live. I like to do hair. I started doing hair when I was younger and I like, I, I, I know you're a skateboarder. So I've heard about this from our, yeah. mutual, our mutual friend. <laughs> he said you'd always show up with a skateboard and a backpack. Yeah. I mean, um, for a while, oh, I'm sorry. You're going to ask me a question. Go ahead. Well, no, I, some, so some, I want to dig into there. Um, like all these things you do, you pick it seems that you pick them up with ease and you can you can comment on that but then it seems to require uh some kind of like a a strong confidence in yourself and i'm wondering like where did that come from was it your dad was it just innate like did you always just feel like oh i'm gonna take the toughest instrument and just knock that out and then pick up four more or were you supported like how did you pick that up um I honestly, I didn't struggle with um, confidence until I got older. Um, it's just kind of just something within me. Like I always believed in myself and my parents. Well, yeah, my parents always believed in me. Um, just, you know, parents will say, oh, shoot for the stars. You can do whatever you want to do. Dream big. And I, I guess I would always I got that motivation. But then it would also once they saw me start to really flourish in those things, it's like, I understand now as a parent, they probably got a little bit scared, a little bit like, okay, well, you need to focus on one thing. Um, You you need to start focusing on one thing. But then I would notice that when I would start doing that, I would be off balance. So I wouldn't really be as happy as I was before. I I wouldn't be as confident as I was in the other things that I was doing. And it's kind of felt to me like, no, they didn't. They started to not believe in me and what I could do. It was just a lot of talk. And so that kind of pushed me to not so much prove them wrong, but prove, more so prove it to myself because so, you go ahead. Oh, I was just sorry to interrupt. So I'm just thinking about timing. So you started playing the violin at nine, right? Yeah. And when did you pick up the cello? Um, like 13, 14. So those two primarily when you were growing up. Mm-hmm. And so was that at the time when your parents started saying you need to focus on one or the other or like when did that start to happen? Uh, I would say that started to happen later in my like later teens okay. because yeah, I was just kind of, they. I guess they felt like I was kind of all over the place. I mean, my, my parents, it's a different, uh, they split up when I was 12. So after mm-hmm. that happened, the entire world just kind of shifted. And that's not, I mean, we can go into that, but I feel like that's, that could take days and days and days. <laughs> we don't have time for all that. Do you think that that affected confidence? Is that when confidence started to be affected? Well, or do you think that confidence had anything to do with that? And I asked because Keith and I talk about this a lot. We Both of our parents are divorced and we have um, strong desires to never go through that. Absolutely. Uh, or put our children through that, I should say. Yeah. And, and not to say that there aren't reasons for it. It's just it has strong effects. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think a lot about, you know, the impact because my parents did a good job. They were both around and my parents split when they were two. But the impact that it had on me, um, the, I think about it more now that I have a daughter. Um, so do, do you think... To Rodney's to Rodney's question, how much that might have had a impact in it, or was it just just a result of kind of the the the, the treatment at that at that stage? I would say that it was 
it did have a major effect and the effect that it had more so was they were so happy and all of a sudden they hated each other mm. and there was no explanation and I, I as a uh, as a child I would always ask a lot of questions I still ask a lot of questions if I don't understand something and for there to be a lot of lies and as a parent now I understand I understand why parents lie to their children because they don't want to hurt them just as in relationships um, a spouse might lie to their the person that they're with because they don't want to hurt their feelings and they think just for people lie for various reasons but in my situation I think that that's what was going on but that affected me more so than just being upfront and being honest because then if you're lying to me about the things like that, if I'm asking you, do you like this piece? Do you like how I'm playing this? And it's like, oh, yeah, I like it just to for my feelings. Like that doesn't help me grow as a musician. That doesn't help me grow within myself. And so when it comes to confidence, confidence needs if you're seeking as a child, you're seeking confidence to come from your parents. They're instilling um, positive positivity within you. But if they're not honest with themselves, how am I supposed to trust your judgment? So that definitely added, yeah, that saying all that out loud shows me, yes, that did have a major effect on my confidence. Uh, so, so would you say then, cause you had mentioned a couple of things, it, it hurt your confidence because you couldn't believe necessarily what your parents were saying around the support for what you do. And then they got divorced and it was almost like they had been lying to you the whole time that you were good. And now all of a sudden, were you questioning whether or not you were actually good? Yeah. And that's just a minor, not even a minor, but that's just a piece of where confidence, the confidence stemmed from. And that's something I never really tapped into, I guess, until this conversation. So thank Mm. you guys for that. Um, And it also stemmed from we moved to Seattle, being my sister and my mom. And in the way that she described it to me was, oh, you're going to love this school. It's going to be very diverse. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And then we go to the school and it's predominantly white. And it's, oh, I want to touch your hair. Oh, you're black. and you play mm-hmm. the violin? Like, that's weird. You know, stuff like that. And I, I will say I was literally mute. Like, I did not talk to anybody my entire eighth grade year of school. And that really had a tremendous effect on me and I never looked at myself as the black girl that played violin I just looked at myself as I play violin I didn't realize that there's yeah me and I didn't I didn't understand that so after junior high high school I moved back to California and then I kind of put it down for a while because of course those are the crazy teenage years too so I'm all over the place (laughs) but really I kind of put it up for a while because it's like is this even me is that what I want to be doing and then it's like my dad is so focused on and now I know that he was more focused on he didn't want me to turn out like my mother and Mm. so he's trying and he's trying to push me into a direction of you need to go to college you need to graduate you need to do whatever it is that you need to do but you need to pick out pick what you need to do because i wanted to graduate from high school and go to cosmetology school and then figure out an orchestra that i want to get into because it's something that is fun that i wanted to do and it was like no a certificate is not a degree and then i never ended up going anyway because i would start and i'm not a school 
I'm not going to say I'm not a school person. No, I am. I know myself. I'm not going to sit in the classroom and I'm just not, I'm not going to do it. I I can do it, but that's not where I'm at in my life right now. I read it's a lot. It's interesting how you just caught yourself right there. Cause you were, cause it's almost not okay to say that. Yeah. But you're like, wait a second. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, yeah. I'm me. Like, that's not me. Yeah. Which is okay yeah. to say, but it's almost not okay to say that in society, right? Like, It's very true. If I could say something, and I, don't, I definitely am going to share this story with my daughter too, because I'll say today, I still hold a, a disappointment within myself that I put it down because of what somebody, other people were saying to me and about me. And if I had to carry that same confidence that I had as a little girl, that wouldn't have happened. And I would have been on a whole nother level with my violin. But I try not to harbor that. But I would be lying to you if I said, oh, it doesn't bother me anymore. Like, it does. So that's something that I'm personally working through and not just being present and moving forward with my violin and knowing that I can continue to get better. But I just definitely want to let everybody know, male, female, child, old folks, everybody. <laughs> um, old folks, wow. The elderly. How, <laughs> how, like, how do I say Let's that? Let's be ageist. I like just, it. You know, yeah. so, the old folks. <laughs> just... Everybody's going to have something to say about you always. And it's really difficult to say, oh, well, just don't let what people say bother you. It may or may not bother you, but just be aware of, look, just look at it. Why does this bother you? What does it stem from? And really get to the root of things. And then you can work through them and say, this is okay for it to bother me, but I'm not going to let this consume me. And go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, do you still experience that? That oh you you play the violin type of type of um, a, a response to by like, white people in particular. Yeah, I do. It'll be the it's mostly older like older white people when I tell them because um, I work at well I'm on and off but I work at Harold and Bell's restaurant it's a Creole restaurant and so we'll have a lot of people come in and out because um, we do have a live jazz. Um, night and everything and so we'll usually start talking about music and I'll let them know that I play and they're like oh well what do you play like oh violin oh my gosh really Mm. yes really so uh yeah I I still get it but it doesn't it doesn't bother me and I think it's becoming more um in quotes like socially acceptable because now you have the black violinist on YouTube there's a stigma for the instrument within black community too like you don't play the violin Mm -hmm. that do yeah, you, or like I get looked at as bougie or, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and it's like, no, nah, I just like to play. Something that I learned recently that I'm curious to know what you know about. Um, I, I did not know that black folk were not allowed into many uh, or any orchestras until very, very recently. And Ooh. I found this out from a good friend of my mom's who I hope we actually get on the podcast. She's a, a writer for like Supergirl, but she's an Asian American woman and she plays in an all, all African American orchestra. <gasps> um, uh, she plays violin as well. And she, and she told me that and I was like, huh? What? That was a thing? It, it, it shouldn't have surprised me. I mean, but. So where is, what are you doing today? What, what's, you know, you have your own business and you talk about this. I will call it a push to go to college and, you know, follow a linear path, a directional path. Yet you have your own business now and mm-hmm. you're doing your own thing. So tell us about that. Like, what is that now? You've broken out of that 
that that stage where you put your violin down and you just said you picked it back up what what led to picking that up um so what made me pick my violin back up is um this beat actually um i can i don't know the producer but i don't know if you guys know elliot o'connor um and he sent me this beat and i probably sat on this beat for like two probably like two three years and i put vocals to it but i was like it just needs something else and i was like maybe maybe i should just see what i can do i haven't played my violin for a while and ever since then i was like what have i been doing like why did i not do this before because it was it just came out so well and it just made me want to practice more so it put this kind of i don't really know how to describe it but my violin is it's a passion that i have and i was like i was telling you earlier i was really disappointed that i put it down in the first place but picking it back up it was like i never put it down in the first place it's kind of like a, a really good friend that you have and you guys kind of lose contact for a while you get caught up with work or in school and life and family and everything you don't talk for a couple of years but as soon as you pick up the phone you just pick up right where you left off it's not like where have you been like you know yeah. it's just that love and that connection so that's definitely something that i'm not gonna let go so that's where the violin came back in and that was few years ago it's, it's been some years now. so so you picked the violin back up mm-hmm. at that point a few years ago and you just went with it like yeah. now you have your own business and mm-hmm. um, partnership multiple people yes. um witty's enterprises witty's entertainment 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 yes. okay what 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 do you what do you all do and and how long have you had the business what inspired you to just start your own business and go that different direction rather than entering into school and you know following that linear path i was kind of at my wits end so i was working at a restaurant <laughs> and they were remodeling with the herald and bells like i was telling you and they were remodeling so I was, it was only supposed to be a couple months. So I was like, I'll just do, get unemployment and focus on my violin and, you know, do some other things because there's no point in trying to find another job and settle in when I'm just about to leave again. Mm. So unemployment, somebody took my social and was using my social security number to get unemployment already. So I could not get unemployment. And that oh. was the worst. And then I um, applied to another job, Barnyard Venice. I worked there for about a month and then they shut down. And I was like, what is really going on in the world? So I felt like it was just a shift. Like it seemed like everything that I was trying to do that was in quotes, the right thing to do was just getting shut down. Like the universe is telling me something. God is telling me something. I'm not supposed to be doing this. What am I supposed to be doing? So Julian was sitting and doing some something on the computer with the DJ program. And I was sitting on the floor just kind of doodling. And I just started drawing this. And I can't draw for shit, just so you guys know. <laughs> but I was drawing this. This She uh, says that. And I bet well, we're, we're going to yeah. see some of your art somewhere. Like on Instagram. It's going to be amazing. Oh, no. It's going to be very different than what I can draw. Oh, no. <laughs> Real good. Which is well, a stick I, for sure. I, I appreciate your high hopes for me. But I'm being very honest when I tell you that. <laughs> good. So uh, the rooms, I just basically just started drawing. Like if I were to have my perfect building of some place that I could work what would it be so I drew a hair salon so I like to do hair I drew um what was it a recording studio so I could record and, and then just kind of grew from there and I when I was done I was like oh my god this would be really dope like I feel like I can actually do this 
why would I not do this? So then I just kind of, I wrote out this email. I started thinking about all the other, ta- other talented women that I know um, that have kids. Cause that's another thing that I struggle with. I don't like, it's hard to go, rec- go to record um, even before Zara. Then I would go to a recording studio. It's mostly males and we don't get anything done. It's like everybody just wants to smoke and get fucked up and not record. And then after it's like, oh, so you were trying to kick it? Like, no, nigga, like I'm here to make music. Like I'm here to actually do what I came here to do. Like I never, and I wanted there to always be a place for women to feel like I can record. I can bring my kid if I need to. I can bring my husband if I, if he wants to come to the studio and they are, they're comfortable. And because being comfortable, you're going to get your best, um, your best product that you're going to get. The, it's just gonna, the best is going to come from you if you're comfortable. So anyways, I think all that to say, I wrote this email to all these women and out of 20, I think like eight responded. And this email was bold too. It was hella bold. It was like, yo, I'm about to start this. <laughs> this, this, this business is going to end up being the business that Rihanna, Beyonce, all the women's, all, all the women's, all the women, all the queens in the industry are going to want to come fuck with us because they're going to want to have one place that they can go get their hair, their makeup done. They can have a photo shoot. They can have their own boutique where they can shop for their own clothes. They can record for their, um, their shows. They have a, a place where they can do their choreography. Like they have everything in one building. Like, Who's not going to want to do that? Who? So, yeah. If I could do any of that, I would be in. Yeah. Man, it's, it's perfect. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, it's, <laughs> so that's that's the vision? That's where that's you want to take it? That's where, the vision. Where, that's where we're going. Where is it at today? today? And how long has it been in business? Uh, it's been in business for two years now. I'm super awesome. excited. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And our squad, we have a videographer, we have a photographer, I have a makeup artist, my DJ, Stella Lafacalee. She is lit. Um, they're all, and they're all amazing people. Like, okay, I'm almost done. Digital marketing consultant, have a yoga instructor, and a health coach, life coach. So our team is really lit. Like, Everyone, I could send any of them anywhere, and I know that I'm gonna get a call back saying that was the best photo shoot I've ever had. I loved working with Blaze. Um, I loved working with Taylor, her doing my makeup because she made me feel beautiful, she made me feel confident, and I want to work with her again. Like, I know that that's gonna happen, and it happens all the time. And that right now is basically. I use my music room. Me and my DJ, we practice in here for um, our shows. Um, we do. Whenever we have a photo shoot booked, we'll have the makeup done here and Blaze will come, our photographer. So everyone kind of gets to link, like kind of what we did at the beginning, just talk and vibe out first so everyone's comfortable. We make sure we get that done first and then we go out to our photo shoots and yeah, we do, we host an open mic and open mic is really dope. We've been doing that with Delicious for two years now, Delicious Pizza delicious vinyl i'm gonna have to come check i saw that on the website i'm gonna have to come check it yes it's really dope and um yeah it's just that's basically like um it's a business but it sounds more like a community it is it is a community but it is a business but it's a community i like to look at it as a community too i like the way that you worded that and 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 so everybody it's independent project based people people contact you for the service that they need and mm-hmm. 
and you guys just deliver. Rodney and I talk about this a lot, and I think what you're doing um, is incredibly inspiring because we talk about passion and this idea of deviating and following our own path versus going that linear path. What was expected? We both graduated college. We both got good jobs. We've both been working those jobs for 12 years and we finally found our passion. Um, and I think one of the coolest, one of the interesting things you talk about with, with your parents, you had two parents that had very, opposite life experiences and, and life goals. And you got to witness the linear path and the not so linear path Mm -hmm. and not everybody. I never got to witness anything but the linear path. So that's the only thing I knew. And that's the direction that I knew to take until, Mm -hmm. until I saw enough of the non linear path to be able to go where we are today. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think about like that idea that your dad, you got to go to college and you, you mentioned, you know, uh, I want to go to college, but you really don't. And maybe you will, maybe because you like doing hair and you want to get that license and, and just have that as part of your repertoire. How do you think about it in terms of your daughter? Right now you have a three month old, you've got a Uh long journey of parenting ahead. Cause I think about this constantly, this idea of, individuality and being who they are and letting that thrive while teaching them lessons along the way. Mm-hmm. Curious to see how you've taken this dynamic from your parents and you've taken your life experience. How do you think about that in relation to to your daughter? I'm honestly very excited about it. Like, I know people say um, there's going to be a time where she's not going to like you because, you know, your mom, you know, I don't know if people tell you that, but as a mother, all the time, all the time. Yeah, it drives me crazy because I hate it. I hate it. We're going to have a great relationship. And one, it's going to be because I'm honest with her. I'm not going to tell her all the things that she wants to hear all the time, but I'm going to be honest with her. She can come and ask me anything and I'm going to tell her the truth on my, I'm going to tell her my truth, but I'm also going to let her know like she's, you're going to have your own truth. You don't have to really believe everything and absorb everything that everybody tells you because not at nobody has the right answer. Like what mm-hmm. is the right answer? Like what, what mm-hmm. the, what is that? There is no, <laughs> there right is no answer. right answer. <laughs> yeah. So whatever makes her feel good is what I want her to do. I want her to be aware of what's going on around her and be aware that not everyone is going to respect her beliefs and support her beliefs. But that doesn't mean that she can't and she shouldn't respect her own beliefs and believe in herself to do what she wants to do. She wants to be, she says, mom, I don't want to do music. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, but I do music. So you have to do music. Like, no, what do you want to do? You want to be a rocket scientist? Let's go buy some fucking rockets. And mommy's going (laughs) to learn how to do this with you. Like, let's do it. That's what, yeah. Like whatever she wants to do, I'm, I'm rocking with her. When I think about parenting, it's like, I got to keep like my goal. My job is to keep her safe and to prepare her. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that I didn't add to my blog is, uh, to not allow my the shit and baggage from my life mm-hmm. to define hers. Absolutely. Like that thing, you know, that thing where, like you just said, with the music, like I play music, you gonna play music. Mm-hmm. Like, like, no, like you can do whatever she wants. She might mm-hmm. want to play music, she might not, but that's okay. When you talked about the lies your parents, you know, the especially at the divorce point, and Rodney and I do have this conversation a lot. I'm curious 
does truth have its limitations to a child? Do, do you have a thought on that? Do you have a perspective? I'm sure you both do. And I'll, I'll add a layer of a layer to it. I just wrote a blog about raising a mixed race child in America in 2018. Mm. And you're raising a young black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, like with on it, with the, with the, the, the lens of honesty, how do you be honest with her yet allow her to blossom, you know, based on all the other, like, have you thought about that, that line? And do you have any answers or any thoughts there? Um, can you give me an example of like a, a maybe a, a situation or like a question that might come up and then how I would. Yeah. So uh, an example, like if your daughter were to come to you and say, um, she, something like they treated me differently and I don't know why. And I think it's because of my skin color. Oh my God. That's going or, or maybe cry. it's, I don't know why. And you know why. Like, how do you answer that? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <sighs> well, first I will get my life together and I won't start crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> that made me so like, cause it's true. Like those are things that she's probably going to end up coming to me and asking me. And I'm going to let her know one that she's beautiful and her skin is beautiful. And just because other people are different or look different, doesn't make you better than them. and doesn't make them better than you because we're all people. And, um, I will ask her why it bothered her or and how it made her feel so that I can understand, um, that coming from her. Cause the beautiful thing about kids is they have such a raw truth to them that, it's just the most beautiful thing ever. No filter. Mm-hmm. It's no filter because, and they don't. We as humans don't get a filter until we are told you can't say that. We learn it. You can't do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We learn that, and I don't want to teach her that. I am going to show her. Um, well, here's an example, like um, cursing and stuff. When she first came, like her dad cusses. Like I, I. I just started cussing when I got pregnant, which is the weirdest thing ever. It's <laughs> um, a weird pregnancy it, side it effect. Is. Yeah, it haven't heard that really one. Weird. We both turned into pirates over here at this oh house. Like gosh. I'm dropping f bombs and Seriously. like. Part of it's we're going the opposite direction. We're like no swearing, no <laughs> right. more swearing. <laughs> and and that's what I thought, you know, to to raise your kid because they're sponges; they absorb everything. But okay. I'm also going to tell her and teach her, you know, example like I don't talk. I, I talk to you. I speak to your grandfather differently than how I speak to your father. I speak to your grandfather differently. My, I speak to your aunts and uncles differently than I, well, my aunts and uncles differently than I speak to her aunts and uncles because there's a dynamic. There's different. I know how to, I'm a woman and, and you know I, I'm a lady talking, and I know, you know audience. Mm-hmm, exactly. And there's a time and a place yeah. for everything. I'm not going to tell, I'm going to let her know it's okay to express yourself. I'm fine with you expressing yourself, but you also need to be aware of who you're addressing who is around you um, and what's respectful and what's not respectful because I'm definitely yeah, at school. You're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm, exactly. That's how it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I think that's a more honest way to handle it for me. Cause I was, I grew up in a house like you don't cuss, you don't swear. I'm like, people around me swear all the time. Yeah. So now I'm just confused. I'm like, I don't get, why do they get to? And I don't like mm-hmm. what's happening. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of where it stands for him. It's just, I, I'll definitely, I, I'm definitely going to be honest with her um, to my fullest capability. 
Um, and that starts with being honest with myself too. And I think that that's what a lot of parents um, struggle with because they are so used to, well, it's supposed to be this way because my parents raised us that way, or it's supposed mm-hmm. to be this way because that's how society looks at it. And I don't want people, it's really crazy to, for me to see how many parents feel um, embarrassed uh, around their kids or their kid mm-hmm. starts acting up where they're at or something. They're embarrassed. Like, Oh, I'm just so sorry. Like, no the best advice i got (laughs) was from my wife's uncle uh about being in public with your kids he's like remember this you're 100 times more annoyed by your children than other people are yeah it's funny because when i'm when i'm with my daughter in public i don't think anybody else exists and we'll go to the grocery (laughs) store together and i just talk to her the entire time i talk about whatever it is and i had a guy that worked there one time and he goes see you got to talk to him. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. I forgot someone else was there. But to that point, and I think it's it's one of those weird things, right? Because as parents, part of our responsibility is to teach social norms and social constructs because we want to teach our kids how to get along in the society that we grow up in, which is more and more complex now with more and more people being born into this world. Um, and so what does social norm mean? Right. Like, and I think it becomes more and more important to teach the truth to the, to, to our children about who they are and what they belong to and how they can find their selves with in a certain subset of, of society that they may fit in with. So long as to your point, they're respectful they treat other people with respect. They listen. They 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 don't act as if they're the only person in the world, and and they and they walk through through the world with with knowledge and not this belief that oh I do this just because my parents told me so. I I go to college just because that's what I was told to do. Uh-huh. You know some of, some of the smartest people in the history of this <laughs> this world, Bill Gates being one of them, didn't didn't finish college, and now he's one of the wealthiest people ever. Right, so mm-hmm. it's not. To say you shouldn't go to college but that just might not be your path and working with your child on helping find that truth i think is far more important than just saying this is what it is because i said it is what it is and that turns into the lies that parents tell you you know and you kind of you kind of miss out in that developmental experience of of thought right exactly oh that's powerful yeah it's that's exactly what it is that's definitely something that i want to be conscious of is making sure that i'm being truthful with her and if there's something that i don't feel like i can be truthful with her i will you know talk to her father see his take on it and um but i don't i don't really see that happening like i want to be open and honest with her so one of my favorite things that you said in in that whole um, conversation was I will ask her why she feels or what she's feeling. She may not have the words and we'll try to explore it and figure it out, but asking questions like Mm -hmm. giving that respect to your child, regardless of the age, I think that's, to me, that's, that's powerful. And I, 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 I really, really respect that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the things that we're trying to do in general with this entire endeavor that we're on is asking more questions Mm -hmm. to not just assume like somebody said, blah, blah, blah. I I don't have a good example, so I will use that. Mm -hmm. And so we just assume we know what they meant without asking them what they meant. Exactly. Um, And then then we 
prescribe our own thoughts onto a situation that may not even be applicable because we are making those assumptions. And we have a lot of experience to build assumptions up that our children just don't have yet. Exactly. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause uh, for the first time with, with more in common to, to do something a little bit different, to break up our conversations and, and take an opportunity to promote um, some new partners that we're, we're building relationships with. Now, keep in mind, this isn't an advertisement um, where we're actually just building relationships with organizations with common causes. And in the point of this, this break is really just to tell you about other organizations that do stuff similar to what we're trying to do uh, to represent you know what else is out there if you want to do other things get involved um, be a part of a part of the the drive that there are that we're all trying to to do and that's you know promote dialogue and and empathy with with people um, so today this quick pause is to to exp- you know to introduce table talk some of you may have heard of them they've been promoted by NPR. They've been around for quite a few years. TabletalkGlobal.org. Um, and Table Talk's mission is, is they aim to create spaces for conversation on campuses outside of the classroom that did not previously exist. Um, so, th- you know, today's world is often segmented into echo chambers. We talk about that a lot on More in Common, right? And Table Talk really hopes to reverse this culture by helping students, faculty, and community members alike make meaningful connections outside of their typical groups. You can go to tabletalk.org. You can donate to them. They're a nonprofit. You can work with them to start your own facility or your own, you know, conversation around campuses at school they're expanding into into nine you know nine through twelve um so they're doing a lot of awesome things and we just want to give them a shout out so they can continue to grow their mission as we continue to grow ours um you know have a look check them out and otherwise we're going to go back to alex now so i'm curious on your take on nigga on the n-word I, you dropped it earlier so like my mom i've never heard my mom say it my dad definitely heard him say it. he grew up like real rough in cincinnati and then but because of that he wanted us to never say it so okay. it for me it became so much like cussing it was just something i did with my friends like in school away from my family but when i was with my family i was like mm-mm, mm-mm. i would never say that mm-hmm. i would never ever say that but then i do and as a white person, I I tense up a little bit. Okay. Um, pucker, it, pucker a I do, and and I want, but I want to ask that question. But then I thought, well, how do I ask that question? And I That's kind of have a black went into your into, went into my own head. So, um, so for me, this is a really interesting question to ask. Just you know, because I'm curious as well. Um, <laughs> my take on the word so it was basically I mean I guess the same thing like I wasn't really raised but my dad wouldn't really say it that much he loosened up a lot now that I'm an adult and when I say loosened up I mean like my mother was very um in quotes religious so like we couldn't even listen to rap music like we couldn't do a whole lot of stuff growing up so um my take I get that. on it now is Kind of what I was explaining to you on how I'm going to speak with um, Zara. There's a time and a place. I don't, 
I'm not walking around my job. I'm not walking up and down the street. What's up, my nigga? What's up, nigga, 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 nigga? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't, and I don't call Julian a nigga. I don't, I don't refer to him as, oh, this is my nigga. Like a lot of people do, or like women in relationships describing their, um, their, significant other yeah there you go so there's a significant other um when it comes to so one of my best friends is white and we would when we would always hang out and she'd be like oh i'm not gonna say it i can't say it and i'm like okay like i appreciate that i respect that but then i pulled up on her one day and she was yelling up the streets (laughs) to one of the homies and she was like what's up my nigga oh my god alex i did not see you right there and i was like see that's the shit that i'm talking about like you won't say it around me but you'll say it when i'm not around and i wasn't offended because i mean she's my best friend and i i understand i understand i guess i have a more broad um view on it and like i'm not offended when i hear it if i hear an- it, i guess it's the time it, it's the time and the place and the way somebody says it so example i was at um one of my old co-workers house like years ago and him and his girlfriend were talking and they're white and he said, um, he said something, something, oh, but this bitch, this bitch ain't tripping or something like that. It's referring to me. Everybody that knows me knows that I do not like the word bitch. Bitch drives me more crazy than a white person saying nigga. Like, I don't know why. It's just the way that it makes me feel. And so I told him, I was like, oh, um, you probably don't know this about me, but don't ever address me as bitch. Like, don't ever do that. He was like, oh, but you heard me saying nigga earlier. And I didn't hear him say that. So I was like, whoa, whoa. like you kind of caught me, caught me off guard. And I was like, but so my whole thing was when I was at his house, we're at your house, how you speak in your home. I can't really speak up on it, but I can remove myself from the situation. Um, and then it kind of triggered me too. It got me, it didn't trigger me, but it got me thinking like you were so, how many times did you drop the end? Like, how many times did you say nigga? And how many times, like, what gave you the juice to do that? Like, were you just testing it out to see if I was going to respond and say something? And then once I didn't respond and say something, now you want to see how much further you can take it? Like, move to the next. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, I, for me, like I said, I'm not offended by it. I'll, I'll say it like in conversation with you guys. Cause I'm just talking with you guys, you guys like my homies, like, like, like on that level, mm-hmm. but I don't, um, to me, it's, it's a feeling behind the word. So if mm-hmm. you're saying yeah. it, derog- how do you mean it? Yeah. How do you, how do you mean it? And it's going to be in a, in a feeling that I feel personally, I can't speak for other people. I had this conversation with my dad, um, this past weekend, and um we were watching a comedy special whose comedy special was it it was crit was it chris rocks that's no. that would have been my guess i think it was chris rock but i want to say i could be wrong right now it'll come to me but he was basically just saying um they use it as a term of endearment. We've, we transformed it from when it was supposed to be derogatory as nigger, then we transformed it and embraced it as our own so that it can't hurt us anymore in that mm-hmm. sense. And so my dad was like, oh, I don't believe, I don't agree with that. It is what it is. People want to say nigger, they're going to say nigger, whatever, whatever. So that was his take on it. And then I guess maybe I just haven't sat down and really thought about it too much. Like, I understand that bothers people. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I no, guess that's good. that's really my take. No, and I don't good. like, like people I, feel uncomfortable. No, it's I, nah, we, that's part of our deal is to try and get uncomfortable and figure yeah. it out. 
I think uh, everything you said, I agree with. And the reason I was interested in hearing your take on this is because, I mean, this had to have gone back a couple of years ago. I actually was um, hanging out with some family and the concept of the word um, being being used by white people why in in the whole frame of reference well if they use it in hip-hop and by they Uh black people use it in hip-hop or with each other why can't i use it right and and which is it's just just bad logic and for me and and the the whole point is like well what about in school when we want to educate and we want to do this and like and it was a it was a dialogue and we we engaged and we had the conversation because because my whole thing is like First of all, I just, there's no need. My wife said to me, she goes, why, why as a white person do you need to say it? Period. Like, yeah. why do you want to say it? Like what, what is burning in your britches <laughs> that you need to say that word as a term of endearment, as, as in any connotation? Like if you really, really need to say that word, like you might want to evaluate how you feel about black people. But, um, like, so, and for me, it's like, well, I hang out with 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 black folk all the time and i i think i've had one friend in our group that said it constantly and he no longer even says it Uh um so like it's always interesting to get different perspectives on this like for me i just i don't i don't use the word like there's Uh there's no reason for me to ever use the word it's it's not something that flows off my tongue i've and and in my life i've gone back and forth like i grew grew up in houses like you don't say it so i was like yeah i shouldn't say that and people said it it made me feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and i had a group of friends that were nigga 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 and i'm like oh that's cool like that's how i talk and then i get to points where i'm like nah i'm better than that i I shouldn't use it Mm -hmm. like I, i just have this like inner struggle with it which is really pointless because it's just a word like i should just move on like and i think uh, i think the context point is is really valid especially from from my perspective and how i receive the word right like you said it and i said i puckered up a little bit just because uh i wanted to talk about it and i didn't know how to bring it up right okay Um, but you just saying it didn't bother me because i understood the context in which you said it however um, I've also come to the expectation with my truth is that I will never say it and I'm not okay with my, with it coming out of my mouth. So how other people say, like, if I hear it in a vitriolic way, like, you know, that's, that's the way it's being said. Like there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's no mistaking when someone says that word for real, right? It's got that hard ER uh, on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's it's interesting it's it's always interesting to take but bitch on the other hand oh, is geez. is something so i have two see, two things yeah, on that story yeah. but i have two questions on that story but yeah. one like what is it about that word that that invokes such a a passion inside like what what is it about that word that makes that frustrates you um it's t- it's so aggressive. Like to me, it's so aggressive, aggressively like demeaning. I just don't like it. And I think, well, I don't think the first time I heard it, cause like I said, my parents did not cuss in the home. Like I was not allowed to listen to rap music, like not even just rap music, just anything like non-Christian. And I was really just over it. So anyways, so, um, it sounds exactly like my, my formative years <laughs> oh, just the worst so my uh <laughs> we were at um i was in elementary and there was this boy his name was alex and i thought we were best friends but after he said this um we were not and 
I what it is is I'll never forget how it made me feel. I forget what I did. We were on the slide or something, and I went in front of him down the slide, and he was like, "Bitch," and I was like, mm. "What the?" I was I didn't know that word. Like I literally did not know that word, but I will never forget how it made me feel. Like mm. I'll never forget that feeling. Wow, you didn't even know it and it still no. made you like you knew you could tell what he meant. Yeah, I could I could didn't. feel it. Like it, it was too thick, that energy. I was good. So after that, no. I, I let people know up front as soon as I meet them. Cause a lot of especially women are like, bitch, you look so bomb. Bitch, blah 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 blah. Like, no, no, no. So I, mar- I think there's a different set of interpretations in black and white circles as well for like, I think it's used differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not a term of endearment in most white circles, at least that I've ever been a part of. Oh, I, well. Yeah. Not that yeah. I've I've lived or experienced. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is mean. But that's interesting. So have you in uh, the other word we were just discussing, has that ever been directed at you in a hateful, derogatory way similar to bitch that caused you to feel similar? My, my guess is no, but I'm curious. Um, no, kind of. No, not really. Like in Seattle, people would try to say it would more so not be directed towards me, but it would just be in conversation around me because there would be so many. It was like I was definitely the minority. And so they would be like, oh, my nigga, my nigga, like talking amongst each other. And like just mm. to see if I was going to do something, because I was remember I was telling you I was a mute girl. I was the one that didn't say anything mm. ever. So just mm. the fact that people would kind of play on that as much as they possibly could. It start. It, I had bigger shit to worry about, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it it did bother me. But it wasn't like a, a trigger to make me go crazy. It was kind of yeah. just like a these motherfuckers are ignorant. What you just said around confronting the kids in Seattle, like they wanted to push you. Yet the story you told about the guy who was you know, dropping the N-word and then decided to say bitch. And at that point, you you did feel comfortable confronting him. So before my question, this kind of goes back to a conversation Rodney and I recently had just around political correctness. Now, this isn't necessarily political correctness, but the thing that Rodney said to me that really resonated and something I hadn't thought about around political correctness is it's so much in the eyes of or in the mouth of the person saying the word when you don't know what could offend anybody mm-hmm. and we don't do a good enough job when offended by something that you may not think is offensive and saying hey hey hold up um that really bothers me and you did that so i, I first yeah, mad respect that, that was, and i love that yeah. but why are you able to do that now like what 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 causes you to to do it and how do you do it for anybody else who wonders like the a good tactful way of saying hey uh time out um you you mind you mind backing it up a second because this is this is bothering me like what was that experience like and how did you go about it um we were talking about the word bitch right yeah that guy that 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 threw it out there yeah oh yeah well I pulled him aside and this is what I do with anybody. Cause a lot of times it happens in like a big group and they'll just, I mean, it, it's innocent. I know that they're not being facetious with what they're doing. So I pull them aside. They're like, Hey, let me talk to you for a second. And they're like, Oh, okay. Uh, step in my little, my corner. And then I just let them know nicely. Like, 
I, I know that you didn't mean that to be fucked up or be rude, but I don't like that word. Like, I don't like being called bitch. And then they usually, it's like a deer in headlights because they have no idea. And like, just like you were saying, like a lot of people, they don't know what offends you and what doesn't. And so I just let them know. I'm like, I know it was an accident. Just in the future, just try to be mindful of that when you're around me, please. They're like, oh, okay, like, I'm so sorry. And it's like, no, don't apologize. I, I'm just letting you know. And then from then on out that I have people... Like my friends, they'll hear someone else that maybe just is coming around for the first time. They're like, "Oh, bitch!" Blah blah blah. They're like, "Oh, uh, uh-uh, uh, you can't call Alex a bitch. She doesn't like it." And I don't even have to say anything. So it kind of you just kind of have to set yourself up to know let uh, let people know how to treat you. And then when you see people start to abuse it, like, "Oh, well, I don't care if you don't like it. I'm still gonna say it." Then I don't have to be around you. I, that doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's not really a fight to me. Like I'm not about to to fight you because you want to continue to say what you want to say. I just don't have to be around you because now it's affecting my, it can affect my energy. It's like people get offended because their boundary, their line has been crossed, but they haven't communicated that this is their line. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, like it's a, Keith and I disagree on political correctness. And like, that's where my issue on it comes. Cause it's like, well, there's some responsibility on you as, as a person in a conversation to say like, Oh man, you know I, I don't like the use of the word retarded, and this is you know this is why, mm-hmm. or 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 even just to say I don't like it. You don't have to explain yourself. You just say I don't mm-hmm. like it. I prefer you don't use that around me. Um, and then that's it. We had a friend, or uh, we have a we have a friend, and he and he talks about um, a time when he was in college, and he used the term porch monkey with his roommate who's black. Mm-hmm. And he didn't recall him one. He just saw somebody on a porch, and he's like, oh, that porch monkey. I think it was a white. It was guy. a white guy, yeah. And his his roommate's like, hey, yo, you can't hold up. Yeah. You can't say that. And he's like, what? I call, he's like, he's on a porch being lazy. That's what I call that. And he's like, oh, you don't know where that comes from. And then they talked about it. Mm. He's like, I did not know where that come from. Mm-hmm. I won't say that anymore. Like, it, it was an opportunity because you never know where somebody's coming from. Exactly. I, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I and for me, like, and I think I've been thinking about this all week, and right, and it, and it all sparked as a result of that quick conversation around political correctness. Just kind of, we were just like, let's talk about this because I'm curious. I want to understand what frustrates you about it, and that very factor has just forced this idea upon me. Not in a he forced me, but I've just been thinking about it a lot. <laughs> That I, I want to be like, I, I think Sorry, about the funny. culture, the, the, the cultures that exist, right? Especially as the population grows and there are more and more people that come in from this, that come into this country that aren't European anymore. Um, we have such a diversified country. There's a lot of different subcultures. You know, we talk about, you know, John McCain in his book, um, you know, wraps kind of up, wraps up his book, uh, talking about the ideals of America, equal opportunity, respecting each other and, and listening to each other. It pretty much boils it down to those things. And I think that's the unifying factor of the United States of America, or at least the ideals that we should live by. Everything else is noise. And I want to be a part of a subculture, 
a dominant culture, whatever it is, but the people I surround myself with who are willing to respectfully be honest. It's not, oh, I just tell it the way it is. No, no, no. Respectfully be honest. So if I say something that offends you, you tell me, and then we can either have a conversation about it. I can accept the fact mm-hmm. that it respect that it bothers you, and then we can move forward closer as a result of that relationship because we are we have an open respectful conversation relationship that ultimately just that that that's based on listening as you Mm -hmm. said uh at the beginning and 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 not just waiting to say the thing that i've been thinking for the last six years and i i'm taking this opportunity to make my point right Mm -hmm. Um, it's um mad props i love that story i think it's awesome I'm glad you caught that because my brain wasn't working as quick. So good catch. Thank you. I've just been thinking about it all week. And, and I think about the mission that more in common is set out to be is how do we do that where we continually are set in this direction of sensitivity? Like, oh, I got to watch what I say and I don't want to offend anybody. But it's like, well, if people who were offended were just a little more open with it and, and we could have a dialogue about it, we can mm-hmm. we can we can navigate we this a lot get more there. easily. Like we could probably yeah. like um, you could speak your truth without being a dick. And then like if you say something in your truth that offends somebody and they call you on it and you feel attached to that word, like so it's that maybe you should evaluate like what's really going on with you and that word. Like why do you need to use that word? But yeah, it's just like, well, if you need to use that word, how do you really feel about whatever, you know? And the, and the other thing about your story is this idea, it's just kind of flow is like, hey, they, every, we treat everybody as them, right? Not, and I want to get out of the business of, I'm personally working on getting out of the business of criticizing people that I disagree with that I never will talk to, like subsets of people, groups of people, whatever the case may be. I'd rather engage and talk, right? And Mm -hmm. you did that, but then you said something that I think is really important. Listen, if you're not, if you're not with me on this, that's cool. I'm just going to step away from this situation and I'm going to go be a part of an ecosystem that, that I appreciate that I, Mm -hmm. that appreciates me and that I can easily be myself within without worrying about, you know, this, this negative energy, if you will. Yeah. Love it. So Alex, this has been wonderful. We really appreciate your time. You know, you're very busy running business, being a mom, doing it gracefully. Um, If you were going to leave, if so, I'm going to ask you to leave our listeners, the world, anybody that listens with a thought um, or a recommendation. What would you, what are you going to leave them with? Be aware of your breath. Keep your chin up and be still. <laughs>